Good morning, church. Good morning to everyone watching this. Good morning, family. Welcome to our online service today. Um, we're definitely in interesting times and in unprecedented times, it just prepares the way for unprecedented moves of God. So unprecedented means extraordinary, exceptional, unique, unmatched. And I truly believe that even though everything's a little bit shaken up at the moment, that God's going to move in such a powerful way, in unprecedented ways. So that's awesome. Everything is being leveled out. Globally, everything is being leveled out. It's preparing the way for the King. Last year, I felt the Lord say to me that something big is on the horizon. It'll be something out of the box. So I believe we're kind of moving into those times right now and the importance more than ever of us going deeper and stirring our faith in Him and going into that secret place is more important than ever. It's the time for the church to arise and to shine. Even when we're limited in our ways of doing things or how they can be done, we rely on Him to have our complete trust in Him. So here's a scripture for you. Isaiah 60. This is for the church. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So this is for us as a church. This is for us. We're in a time of arising and shining. This is a time to prepare and consolidate our personal faith in him. If your ground is feeling a little bit shaky and you have concerns of your future, because realistically, these are uncertain times for a lot of people. We are human, we care about people. We all have financial burdens and responsibilities, and this is totally understandable. But through these times, God is calling you to turn to him, to put your faith in him, and to know him and to have an eternal focus. Last year, Melissa gave a word about digging our roots down deep so that when the storms and the winds come, as they do, that we will not just topple over in, in those times. This is a time for us to dig our, our roots in deep and to, to really go into that secret place with him and to know him in his heart. We're in the days of awe and wonder a time where we live out of the holiness as a response of knowing him. We worship out of our revelation of who he is. And now is the time to have your own personal revelation of him. And I'm going to read Ephesians 1, 17 to 19. This is a prayer from Paul, so I'm going to pray it for you. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate your eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his glory. This is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. This is not a shutdown, this is a reset. The church is not shut down, it's just resetting. It's a reset. The way it looks might be different than what we thought, 
But interestingly, this is a global reset. It's not about the building. It's about us going deeper with him. It's about us being a church outside of the walls and that everything now is being stripped back. And it's time for what we do to be all about Jesus. The stage is being set ready for him to move. This is a time for our faith to be stirred more than ever. Faith to override fear and to see his perfect love move upon us to see fear dismantled. It's time for us to be on our faces before him, to worship him, to see him move upon the earth because his sons and daughters are awakened and rising up. Let's just pray right now. Let's just pray for that faith to be stirred. So in your, wherever you're sitting right now, I just, just join with me with this prayer. God, I just pray that our faith would be stirred more than ever, that we would have faith to just go in and to see the miraculous take place, that we would go before you, that we'd worship you, that we would seek your face, that we would desire just to know you more in this season that's going to just bring us out into something bigger and better than we could ever imagine. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this year we've been looking at the harmony of the Gospels and in the month of March, we've been focusing on the supernatural life of Jesus. So if you at home or wherever you are would like to get your Bibles and turn to John chapter 6. So today I'm going to look at the stories of Jesus feeding the multitudes, Jesus walking on the water and then Jesus as the bread of life. So in John 6, 1 to 15, Jesus feeds the multitude, which is more than 5,000 people. So the story I'll just summarise, uh, it was approaching the time of the Jewish celebration of Passover. There was massive crowds following Jesus as they were attracted to him for the miracles and the healings they'd watched him perform. So here's a dialogue between Jesus and Philip. So Philip is one of Jesus' disciples about how are we going to feed all these people? So Jesus says to Philip, where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? And Jesus already knew that he was just about to feed them all, but he wanted to stretch Philip's faith. Philip re replies, if we were to give everyone a little bit of supper, it would cost thousands. And approximately for the, that time and that culture, it would equate to about eight months of wages of the average person. So Jesus was asking these questions of Philip to see if he would look to him to supply all that was needed and not to consider his limited resources. They found a young boy who had five barley loaves and two small fish and Jesus took all that the boy had and he multiplied it. Jesus told the crowd to sit to receive, and to receive the bread which would feed more than 5,000 people. They were in desperate times and a parallel here could be exactly what's sort of happening in our nation and the world right now. So here's a notable mention. This happened in on the other side of the lake, Tiberias, which was the largest Jewish city in the Galilee province, located on the western shore of Lake Galilee. It can also be translated as Jesus went beyond Tiberias to Lake Galilee. This was predominantly a Jewish population. And interestingly, this is another side note which I sort of stumbled across. And in the story of when Jesus feeds the 4,000, it was 
a Gentile population. And in this story of feeding the multitudes, it was predominantly a Jewish population. And so I looked into what Gentile means and what Jew means. And Gentile means nations and Jew means chosen people. So in that, Jesus prophesying through these miracles symbolizes that all nations and all his chosen people are to come and be filled by the bread of life. All people have access to the bread of life, the eternal life. Another notable mention is that the 5,000 people um, that were gathered would have been the number of men in the crowd. So possibly a crowd of 10,000 to 15,000 when you include the families of these men. I also think it's interesting that Jesus had everyone to sit down to receive the bread from Jesus, demonstrating he doesn't require that you stand and work hard for it. You simply sit and rest and be fed the living bread. It doesn't require works to receive the gift of salvation, that it's all to receive from the posture of rest. Here's an important note. Jesus took all that the boy had and he multiplied it. Are you willing to give him all that you have in order for him to multiply it in your life and to be able to feed others with it and to disciple others? Are you willing to stretch your faith to believe that Jesus is your supplier in the times of desperation and need? Sometimes we can feel like we don't have much to offer or even have much to give. But if you can give what you do have to God, then he can multiply it and cause it to increase because that's just the nature of our God. Okay, so the crowds were following Jesus because they saw and were part of receiving his miracles, which filled their physical needs at a time of great hardship where food wasn't an easy access. I just wanna break down the five barley and two fish and the sim symbolism behind them. So barley is the first crop of harvest uh, in Israel. It is the picture of the resurrection life Jesus Christ is the first fruit of resurrection life. And fish symbolizes and represents Jesus Christ, Son of God, our Savior. So when all the people were satisfied, meaning they had a decent feed, Jesus told his disciples to gather the pieces that were left over so nothing was wasted. The disciples filled 12 baskets of leftovers, representing one for each of the disciples. Putting all these things together, perhaps this was a sign for the disciples to carry the message of Jesus being the bread of life, which in turn means those who are followers of Christ, where all his disciples are all to carry the message of salvation of Jesus, in Jesus to others. So this story demonstrates Jesus as the provider. At the end of this miracle of feeding the multitudes in Matthew 14, 22, Jesus told the disciples to get into their boat and go to the other side of the lake while Jesus went to be alone with God. Only several hours after this miracle of Jesus feeding the multitudes was the miracle of Jesus walking on the water. These miracles were only hours apart and I only just discovered that while looking into this also. So Jesus walks on the water. So John 6, 16 to 21, if you're reading along with me at home. We'll read here. After waiting until evening for Jesus to return, the disciples went down to the lake. But as darkness fell, he still hadn't returned. So the disciples got into a boat and headed across 
the lake to Capernaum. By now, a strong wind began to blow and was stirring up the waters. The disciples had rowed about halfway across the lake when all of a sudden they caught sight of Jesus walking on top of the waves, coming towards them. The disciples panicked, but Jesus called out to them, Don't be afraid. You know who I am. They were relieved to take him in, and the moment Jesus stepped into the boat, they were instantly transported to the other side. That's a big day when you look at that. So the feeding of the multitudes, then the storm coming and then Jesus delivering them and taking them to safety. So here is another promise. The promise to the disciples is that they were to go to the other side. That the, They were the words spoken by Jesus to them. And so they, they should have been able to trust in his words that they were to go to the other side, that he was going to get them to the other side. So when the strong winds and the water were stirring, the disciples were afraid. When Jesus saw that they were afraid, he spoke to them and said, don't be afraid, you know who I am. And I, the key word in that is know, you know who I am. So when things are challenging, the storms of life come, and they do, the important thing is to look to Jesus in these times not to look around at the natural elements of what you have or what you don't have, and recognizing Jesus in among it all, knowing Jesus in it all. The moment that Jesus stepped into the boat, they were instantly transported to the other side where Jesus had told them to go. He delivered and took them to where he promised they would go to. So this story demonstrates Jesus as the protector the protector in the storms, the protector in the trials. So through these miracles, Jesus wanted the miracles to be a revelation of who he was and to direct people to the Father, to give people the hope of eternity and to give insight of the eternal realm. These two miracles give the revelation of the character of who Jesus is. Jesus feeding the multitude demonstrates himself as the provider, the supplier of all your needs. And Jesus walking on the water demonstrates himself as the protector. He will protect you in times of trouble through the storms in your life. Jesus, the provider and the protector. So if you're still following along, we will continue on in John 6, 22 to 35. So the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into their boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. So this is where we see Jesus as the bread of life. So we'll continue on from 25. When they, the crowd, found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures into eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed the seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, 
to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. So in this scripture, Jesus is talking about him being the bread of life. Whoever comes to him will never go hungry and never go thirsty. And in the previous story where Jesus feeds the multitudes with the bread that sustain their physical needs, Jesus is calling the people to come to him to receive the gift of salvation. The most supernatural miracle of all the miracles on earth. It's amazing, eternal life. Jesus came that people could experience life and life to the abundance, to live with an eternal perspective and to know him, to come to him, to simply sit before him and receive the gift of eternal life, not out of works or needing to do anything, but to sit and receive the gift of Jesus himself, the gift of the eternal promise. Can you remember the time of your salvation? Can you remember that moment and how the supernatural was so evident in that moment, even if you can't put it into words? I was a five-year-old child and I can remember the pure joy that entered my heart the day when I asked Jesus to come into my life. I know I was only five years old, but I knew about Jesus and I'd even seen people experiencing Jesus. But it wasn't until I chose to receive it for myself that everything changed. My eternity changed from that moment. We don't want to be just like the crowds that follow Jesus, witnessing miracles and seeing the miraculous healings take place, but not know him personally. Don't get me wrong, these are important in our Christian life. And let him be our daily bread first and allow these miracles, signs and wonders to flow out of firstly knowing him and always having that eternal perspective. So to conclude with these three things to remember, and they all start with P to make it a little bit easier, but to know him as your provider, to know him as your protector, and to most importantly, to know him personally, to know him as your provider, that you know that he will supply your every need, to know him as your protector, knowing that he will protect you through life's trials and storms, but to know him personally, having that that one-on-one -on -one relationship with him and who he is. To receive the most supernatural miracle of Jesus, the gift of eternal life. It's simple, come to Jesus. Let him be the bread of life in your life. So I'm just going to pray to conclude. So if you don't know who Jesus is and you want to start a new life knowing who he is, I just encourage you just to, in your own time, just to invite him into your heart and just um, see that this is a supernatural thing that will take place in your life. 
and I'm just going to close by praying for people that might need healing or just need peace in this season because of the challenging times we're living in. So if you want to write now, just in your rooms, in your homes or wherever you are, let's just close our eyes, let's lift our hands, let's just receive what the Father has for us. And so let's just pray together. Father God, we just welcome you here in our homes, wherever we are. We just pray for that peace that surpasses all of our understanding to guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I pray for healing. I just pray right now, wherever anyone needs a healing in their body, I just pray right now that you would just come upon people, whether whatever the healing is, I just pray right now that people would just, through faith, receive what you've got for them, that people would be healed, set free, delivered, and knowing you more right now, Jesus, that you would just come upon people in such a beautiful and powerful way. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you that you're such a loving father and you only know how to give good gifts to your children. Thank you that you are our supplier, you're our provider, you're our protector. And we just thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to close right now, but thank you for joining me today. Thank you.